0: We're in second Timothy chapter one verse six. For this we're gonna read this for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For what reason? His mother and grandmother had great faith in the Lord, and he's seen that in Timothy, and of course the gift of God or gifts of God imparted to him by prophecy and the laying on of Paul's hands, okay? So he simply reminded him of these things. We all must remember that callings and gifts and duties that God gives us, we have a responsibility. If we continue to serve the Lord and to do his will, they're fine. If not, one can lose gifts and ministry one can backslide and lose his own salvation. So all these people that think they're once saved, always saved, and assured of everything God gives them, they live in gross sin, and they go back to some prophecy that was given to them years ago. Well, that prophecy doesn't apply anymore. God himself made the condition of prophecy. He said at any time, I was speaking to Ezekiel and Isaiah at any time I pronounce or prophesy good concerning a people or a nation, if they turn to evil, he said, I will relent or repent of the good I intended to do them. And if I pronounce judgment on a person or a nation, he said, if they repent and get right, I will hold back and will not judge them. So it's how the person is in today. It's not their past visions and experiences, they don't mean anything if they're not kept up to date. Everything can be lost in the spiritual realm if not held on to with Christ. The branch that does not stay in Christ and abide in his word and continue with him, the Father will cut it off and it will be cursed and others who have not been in Christ or who have backslidden and have come back, they are grafted into the vine again. The determination is the branch. The vine is always the same. The branch has the responsibility to stay in Christ and fight the fight of faith and walk out this pilgrimage, and if he does not, he cannot bear the fruit of Christ He cannot have Christ in him helping him. Therefore, the Father cuts him off from Christ. That's called having grace given to you in vain. There is no irresistible grace. There's a lion's shepherds. Everything God gives has conditions to it. Now, the gospel itself, the condition is one-sided. God made the plan. But people have to receive it or it does not work. So there is no irresistible grace. We abide in him or we do not abide. The person that's born again has a new spirit or renewed spirit because Christ is in him. But he still has a will and he still has his person and he can reject it or follow it as long as he wants. There is no overwhelming power that changes a person's will. The new man... Uh, has the will to serve the Lord. It wants to. And the old uh, man, the cursed part of the nature we still deal with until the resurrection or the rapture, it always desires the world and the flesh. And we, in our will, have the decision to make. So we are encouraged by the epistles. Forty percent of the epistles and gospels tell us to do something. Warns us what happens if we don't, encourages us to put on Christ and put off the old. And he's appealing to the Christian's will because he has the responsibility and the choice to do this. So that's in his person. It's never touched. As we've said before, even the greatest of the gifts of ministries, the prophetic office in the new, is that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. They can regulate. They're not overwhelmed. They don't have to speak what God gives them. They either yield to it, to the Spirit, or they refuse. And the same in the negative realm. People choose what they want to do and who they want to yield to. And so that will is a person's part of his spirit soul, it's a part of who he is that makes him in the image of God. He can make choices, he's not doing things as animals do by instinct. They do many things, and they don't reason it out. It's in their nature. It's been put there. They know how to build a nest. They know how to hunt. They know how to do certain things, and nobody tells them how. They inherit it. Now, they learn certain things as they grow, and they're capable, but a lot of things are there by instinct. With the Christian or the non-Christian, we always retain our will unless we become demon-possessed and judged by God, and that happens in rare cases. God's judgment on people for consistently rebelling against him, and his wrath sometimes will be displayed, and not just at judgment day. Okay, So he's reminding Timothy to stir up, is what it means, shake up, stir up the gift of God, that is in you to the laying on of hands. It's believed he was to be an evangelist and a teacher. Later on, it's believed he was using the apostolic ministry, but he had certain gifts and callings, and Paul seems to have pronounced that on him when he laid his hands on him and when he had got to a certain place in the Lord that he could be used and he was mature. Okay. So the gifts and callings of God are our responsibility too. Some people misuse the scripture in Romans. says says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. It means he doesn't change his mind. Well, that's talking about certain promises to Abraham and Israel. He's going to do in spite of people. But as far as individual gifts of the spirit, the scripture is very plain. You can forfeit your own soul, You can be a deep in the Lord and fall away and forfeit gifts and ministries. So nothing is permanent as long as man's will has something to do with it. So we are always encouraged by the word to continue on, to follow the Lord, to guard our mind. It's always appealing the word of God to the will of man, to the will of the Christian. None of it's automatic. And if we don't listen to it, people can make shipwreck of their spiritual life. As Peter said, it's better not to have known the Lord than to depart from him. And Paul talked about the Galatians that were going back to the law. Instead of Christ or putting it above him, the Judaizers had convinced them. He said, I pray that Christ is formed in you again, implying some of them lost their salvation because they were deceived and went back to an old order. Instead of faith in Christ, they were trying to go back to the law and be justified by it, which they could not be, simply because it was another covenant and it had been abolished. It's not in effect anymore. The Hebrews are warned the same way. What are you going to go back to? Not only will you try to go back to the law, you'll trample the blood of Christ to do it, you will insult the Holy Spirit. And he said, what kind of punishment do you think you'll get? Under the law, people were put to death by two witnesses. What greater punishment do you suppose you'll get if you turn your back on the Lord? Well, He's implying you'll get a greater one. Yeah. People who have known the Lord and backslid and are not coming back, many of them don't. Their punishment, a judgment day will be far greater, than the average sinner, because God will hold them accountable for the excess grace they were given and being twice dead and despising his Christ. So justice is going to come into effect one day. Every idle word that a person utters that has not come to the Lord and serves him, he's going to answer for that word. He's going to answer for every sin. That's justice and holiness. God keeps records in himself. He knows all, all the time. It's going to be an awesome thing for people. As Paul said, who can abide the wrath of the Lord? Well, nobody can, actually, but they'll have to take the punishment that's going to be given to them. So if one does not continue in the Lord and his will, Grace will have been given in vain. You can forfeit the gifts, the life, a relationship with the Lord. People can and do make shipwreck of their Christianity, regardless of what the false shepherds, the once saved, always saved, eternal security, ultra Calvinism, their doctrines of demons. They encourage people into lies as demons do. They give them false assurance and false peace. But at the day of judgment, or the time that person's judged, many of them will stand speechless. See, because at that moment, the devil cannot deceive them. They cannot flee from God's holiness and justice and truth. And so everything that they wanted to hide from and cover will be exposed. And there'll be no answer. They'll know they're getting God's judgment. And they'll know they're going to be in a hopeless state. And there's nothing can be done about it. See, there'll be no arguing, there'll be no debating, there'll be no people sentenced to hell who will say, I don't know why I'm going there, I'm such a good person. At that time, they won't be able to lie to themselves. God will give them the full truth, and every knee shall bow and confess him as the Lord God. The good and the bad will acknowledge who he is. Even the demons recognize that were cast out of heaven, that there's a judgment day to be carried out. They're already under darkness and spiritual misery, and everything holy about them as angels was removed. But as they said to Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? They know there's an appointed time they're going to be cast into the lake of fire and be tormented, everlasting punishment. And that's going to be the reward for the wicked who do not follow the Lord nor submit to him. They'll be sentenced and placed in the same place with the devil and his angels or demons. So we have to be careful that we do not forfeit what God has given us, that we continue and abide, as Christ said, abide at that level you've got. Whatever you have been moved or advanced to, whatever spirituality, stay there. Because if you don't, you're going to regress and things are going to be taken from you. See, people don't understand that. So people, Christians, can block God's will and forfeit his grace to continue in those things. He's not in them anymore. They were not faithful. They were tested. Even the deacons and elder teachers were to be tested and proven before they were given full authority. And if they messed it up, they will be reproved. And if they did not repent and do things right, they were removed, not only from their position, but from the fellowship of Christians because the Holy Spirit's telling them they're not mine anymore. They rebelled and they will not conform nor repent and get right They despise the chastening of the Lord, and that's what will happen to them. The spirit of holiness will stop dealing with them, okay? So we see that Christians can miss God's best. Oh, many people, years ago when I did more counseling, everybody sort of thinks no matter what they do, that God's going to use them and they have a destiny. You make your destiny by obeying the Lord. You forfeit your destiny. So you may have gotten prophecy years ago. They may not stand anymore because you didn't meet the conditions for you rebelled against the Lord because you were lazy. Yeah. God gave you something lesser. He couldn't use you for what he intended. And people don't like to hear that, but it's true. Uh huh. They can miss God's best and have to take. Many thank the Lord many things. God doesn't tell us. He just doesn't give us Certain things because we are not faithful in what we've been given. Therefore, he will not give other ministries or insights. To much is given, much is required. If a person's not faithful in the little, they'll not be faithful in much. It's simply that's the way it is. So we'll see that they're less fruitful and less usefulness in the ministry according to how we walk with the Lord. And respond to his dealings and his disciplines and his training. Many people cannot go. There's a scripture in the Old Testament, and when the Israelites took over certain tribes and God removed them, they could take certain possessions. Some of them they could not. It was curse. And he said if they took it, it had to be brought to the fire. And whatever was not Could endure the fire, had to go through the water. But if the blood and the washing of Christ didn't cover it, it was cursed. But if it went through the fire and the water as garments would go through the water, then it was sanctified and it could be used by the Jewish people in covenant. It was not considered cursed as it had been used by the wicked nations. So, everything, every Christian's going to go through the fire and the water. And there's going to be different degrees. And those who God intended for greater ministries and stuff, if they can't go through the fire properly, then they go through the water. They get something lesser. He uses them. So gifts of the Spirit, ministry gifts, are dependent on how the person yields to the Spirit. The supernatural gifts, sometimes God can use them to anybody. But the ministry gifts and the supernatural gifts are not at the disposal of men. They come by God. But other gifts, as teaching and exhorting and helps and mercies, God helps a person do that, inspires them, and gives them the ability to do it in a spiritual way. And they can be forfeited. They can be expanded on, or they can be lesser and often. We're given gifts and ministries according to God's grace and the measure, but he can give a, a greater measure if the person's faithful to what he's already been given. Or his greater measure can be taken away if he's not faithful to what God intends. People always think God's going to do this regardless of me. No, he's not. Uh-huh. It's not God's will that any perish, but it all come to the knowledge of the truth. But the majority of mankind's going to hell, the lake of fire, because they don't want it. It doesn't mean they have to. It means they have the ability at whatever level they're at to choose good or evil, and they choose not to follow the Lord. But God's will was that everybody be saved. It says the gospel, the blood of Christ was given for all men, especially, he said, for those who are saved. So he offered the gospel, the plan of salvation, to everyone, but only those who receive it properly get it, and the rest, they judged themselves unworthy to enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's not on God's part, okay? So, some ministries, new beginnings, novices, new beginning Christians, many times they'll try to do various ministries, but they're not mature. And only mature Christians can really minister effectively in whatever the calling is. The other ones do objects of the world by the carnal nature. Carnal doesn't always mean evil, it means natural. So, many Christians do things in their natural nature, But it's wood, hay, and stubble. Their intentions may be good, but it's not spiritual. So it will not accomplish anything. So a five-year-old child may be willing to do a brain surgery, but that doesn't mean he's going to do it properly, even if you put him in that position. Uh So many will be saved as of by fire. If you read the context, that has to do with ministry. does not have to do with holiness or living right. Those who are saved by fire are not living in sin. If they're living in gross sin, they forfeited their Christianity. Scripture makes it very plain. Paul names many sins. And he said, if you make this a way of life, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll not get to the kingdom. And Hebrews says, and if you continue in these things, and you despise God's chastening, which is to cause you to stop your sinning, or whatever God doesn't like, that you'll be partakers of his holiness it implies that while you're being chastened you don't have the holiness god demands you're in something disobedience and he said it is to conform you why because if you are not holy and practical godliness and holiness he says you will not make it to the kingdom of god okay so a lot of beliefs are false and demonic and twisted christianity As Peter said, they were twisting Paul's writings on faith and grace as they do today. They were doing it back then. Twist means they torture, stretch a word out of its proportion. They grab scripture out of context. They'll run with one verse when there's 50 of them that puts it in balance. They pick and choose what they want, but that isn't going to work at the Day of Judgment. So many fall away from Christ, some come back later, and sometime years later, but there's years of usefulness are gone, fruitfulness. As Paul talked about, the longer he stayed in his body, he wanted to depart, he had a desire, but it was more fruitfulness for his ministry and work, and he was storing up treasure in heaven. So he said, let it be. Whatever God's will is in this matter, he'll take me when he's ready. But he saw that any delay was more credit to him as he kept serving the Lord. He would be rewarded more later for all the things he did. And so many people miss years, and they often quote a scripture out of context. God will restore the years that the cankerworm has is eaten. You have to put it in its context. If God takes years and decades to train a person for the apostolic ministry, he can't do it in one or two days while the person's on a deathbed and maybe repent it and try to get right with the Lord. He's not going to restore those ministries. It's impossible. Ministry gifts determine uh, by how the person yields and how they're trained. They're not automatically dumped on someone, okay? So it's good that God accepts those in general uh, who have come back to him. In both covenants, he encourages the backslider to repent and come back. And sometimes there's consequences and there's punishments. And that's God's business, okay? But some come too late because they don't have the time for God to train and work them for what he originally intended. Uh huh he may have intended something a lot better. So if God intended to make some apostles and some evangelists and some teachers, but they refused to do what he requires, one so, 30 years earlier, he was called to go into deeper ministry. He failed, but he came back to the Lord. He backslid. I know of certain cases. And God did not have the time to do what he did. So he makes another vessel out of him. He finds something else for him to do. And that's what Paul says sometimes. He had not obtained perfection. And he said, forgetting those things behind, let us press on. So a lot of the regrets and the consequences of us not following the Lord, nothing can be done about it, except for the learned, the consequences. But he said, forget them. There's a time When repentance is proper, and God has chastened us and told us the facts, then he gives us something else to do, and we need to concentrate on what he's given us. We're responsible for now what God's done. And the past failures, they're either forgiven or they're not. And as someone said a long time ago, when you're driving a car, if you keep looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to wreck. So a Christian doesn't need to stay in the rearview mirror. It's okay to glance back once in a while. For a lot of these failures and things that we've done and been forgiven, there are lessons to be learned to keep us from repeating these things and seeing the consequences of what happens if we don't obey the Lord properly. Okay. So God did not have the time or the will to do what he originally intended for many Christians because they backslid or they were slow in learning and he couldn't use them. They did not respond properly. Man's will and yieldedness is required in every ministry, in every spiritual walk with the Lord. Man must give his consent or the graces do not work. The grace of God is given in vain If people do not yield to it and do what he expects them to do. So it takes God many years for certain ministries to prepare people for it. And he can't do uh, something that maybe took a decade to repair or prepare for and do it in three months. He's not going to do that. There are no miracles like that because that has to do with the character and the yieldedness and the maturity of the person being dealt with, okay? So gifts, character, experience, maturity are needed for the higher callings or for the perfecting of a various calling. Even if you don't have a high calling, if you have gifts of mercies so of hospitality, they can be perfected and matured as far as spirit's concerned, okay? or they can be lessened and inefficient in many ways. So these things, uh, we need to be ready for every good work. So if there's failure or questions, we get our failures forgiven, our sins, and we forget those, not to let it hamper where God has us now. So living in regret is never going to accomplish anything. It's, it's like Jesus said about worry. It doesn't add anything. So there has to be certain regrets and consequences to teach us lessons. When a child steps into the street as a four-year-old, and you warned him, and then you spank his little butt, he remembers from the pain not to go on the street. Oh, he may want to go on the street, and he may like to if he could get away with it, but his main concern is, I'm going to get spanked if I go into the street. And there are lessons in the spiritual realm that teach people those things. There are consequences, and if you've had been burnt once, you'll understand the pain of being burnt, and you'll try to avoid that if you have any kind of wisdom. Okay, let's go to Jeremiah, Chapter 18 verse 3 and 4. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in his hand, in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. God was telling Israel at this time there are certain judgments and certain things because of your rebellion you're not going to get and you're not going to go into, but I'll do something else. It was God's intention that the Jewish nation all be priests, uh-huh. but they failed in their rebellions and Levi got the priesthood. And even Moses said, would to God that all of God's people were prophets and prophesied. He originally intended all the Jewish covenant people be priests and be a light to the Gentile world. And the Jews failed generation after generation, and God went into the church. Instead of blessing the Gentiles and being a light, they cursed them and thought they were better. And God warned them several times. As Stephen said when he was going to be stoned, you always resist the Holy Spirit, like your fathers did. So God got enough of it, and he went to another plan. So they missed the first plan, or what God intended. Uh And now the body of Christ supersedes that covenant. Individual Jews can come into the covenant, but as a nation, they forfeited many things. Uh, They will be dealt with as a special nation during the millennium, But that's when the church is gone, the body of Christ. He'll deal differently at that time. So it said he was spoiled, this work, in the potter's hand. I did pottery years ago, and if you've ever done it, when you first start, it's hard to get something moving. A lot of times you try for a bowl, and within seconds it's all ripped around your hand, because if you don't move right and properly, the centrifugal force throws the mud everywhere, the clay. But you learn after a while how to do that. Well, it's implied it was the the object being formed was at fault. We have the perfect potter, but they would not submit to the working of his hand, and therefore God made something else of them. He intended to do something better, but they would not yield to what he was doing. So again, the Lord can restore If there's months and years, many things that is done as we repent, but as the time goes on, there's a limit to things that he will or can do for certain ministries or certain people. So God cannot make a great vessel of ministry in a month. Takes years to prepare for various things that God has time. He needs time. We need experience—trying. We need overcoming and warfare and understanding the discernment between good and evil that is not naturally discernible. Uh The baby Christian cannot discern certain things. People can give him a gift or money, and he thinks it's all from God, but he may not know that that person's trying to manipulate him and bribe him, and use him. But as a Christian matures, he's able to pick out certain things. And if he can't, if he's in the right spirit, the Lord will discern it for him, as Peter did with Ananias and Saviah. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or cowardice, but of power and love and discipline. God does not give his servants in mature ministry. He's talking about people have no business ministry until they're a mature Christian. There's certain things there to learn and drink the milk of the word. Babies simply drink the milk and poop, and that's about all they do until they can grow properly. Uh-huh. So God does not send children and novices to do ministries because if you cannot understand spiritual warfare and how the devil works and God's leading of the spirit, you're not qualified. And God doesn't expect that. He says, grow on the milk of the word. Learn to obey and submit to your parents, learn to obey and submit to the church leaders if you're a beginner, that they can instruct you and help you until you're they're making disciples of you, hopefully for the Lord. Many make disciples of their own selves. They're looking for a following. Well, they're going to answer. If they're a real Christian and they start doing that, their works are going to be wood, hay, and stubble. It means that God, you get nothing from God and you actually can be punished for it. Okay. So he gives what? Not this fear, but he gives power, love, and discipline. The empowering of the Spirit is for boldness. Many people talk about the baptism of the Spirit, and all you hear about is speaking in tongues. The main purpose of the baptism of the Spirit was for boldness to minister the gospel, because you're going to be persecuted and hated by the world when you do it. When you got these popular ministers popular with the world, well, Jesus said, so what? He said, the false prophets, everybody spoke well of them. Because the false prophets lied to him and told them everything was fine when they were wicked. And they did it for money and influence. And many ministers do it today. Many of the popular ones that you hear of on TV, they're false shepherds. If you study scripture, you'll find that they are missing scripture. They only want to give people a positive word. Well, there is no positive word from God to a person on the way to hell under God's judgment the only positive word is repent. Repent and turn to the Lord. Otherwise, Jesus said the wrath of God remains on them. So people love to talk about for God so loved the world. That love is goodwill and good intentions. But if they don't turn to the Lord and respond, it says Jesus said it. The wrath of God remains on them. His anger and indignation against their sin and how they're doing and what they are. God despises the soul of the wicked person that continues in it. People don't want to hear that. The wrath of God is being stored up for these people. So in grace, he's offering them a peace treaty. He's offering them a way out. And by his long suffering, he's not judging them immediately, which he could for their sins. But he lets them live out, most of them, their natural life doesn't interfere. Uh But they'll answer for every day they lived of extended grace. See, the punishments and reward are going to be according to works. And those who work in Christ Jesus, they will be rewarded because it's the Spirit helping them and moving them to do these things. It's the vine and the branch bears fruit. The vine doesn't bear it by itself and the branch does it. It's the union of the two, walking in harmony, being yoked together. And God rewards the good and the Christian for doing good that he helps them do. He said, if you give a a glass of water to someone in the name of Christ or other Christian, he says, you'll not lose your reward. That's the good side. And the bad side, every idle word that a man speaks, he'll give an account for at the day of judgment. That's precise justice for every individual. And you can imagine how horrible it's going to be for the wicked, because they don't remember what they did last week in all of their sins and pleasures. But God does. Remembers everything. And holiness demands a righteous judgment against these things. Okay? So again, it's good that God deals with us and punishes, chastens us and We just go on and we live and let God evaluate these things. That's what Paul said at certain times he was dealing with judge nothing before the time. We can't judge all of other Christians' motives and intents. We can judge actions. But unless the Lord gives us discernment, which He can at times for various reasons, it's none of our business. It's for God to deal with them and with His own servants. And He's able to lift them up if they fail. So that's what he's talking about. Let's go on and serve the Lord in the truth and light that we had. People forget the prodigal son, he wasted his goods. He wanted to get out of the father's control. Let's go ahead and take a break here.